Yo, what's going on, guys? My name is Chandler, the Geek Slays, and welcome back to the Scuffed Ass Podcast, episode 83. Man, it's been a couple couple weeks since I did a podcast alone, um, you know, and I figured now with football being back, me having a couple other topics I need to get to, um, this would be a decent week for me to go at it alone so I can kind of get out all the update stuff I need to do. The big one, I'm going to start... Batman is playing Galaga. Moon with the host, I appreciate Probably it. Probably wouldn't notice. I'm going to start the podcast off by talking about an announcement that'll be out Friday for the majority of people. Anyone who listens to this podcast live and is here right now will know that that's about it. And that is that starting in about two weeks from now with episode 85, I will be streaming the podcast directly to the Scuffed Ass Podcast YouTube channel. The Scuffed Ass Podcast will no longer be on Twitch. Um, you know, I talk about it a lot in the video that I'm putting out on Friday, but it's it seems like a decent move. I, I want to try out streaming on YouTube a little bit. Um, I, 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 I also plan on streaming regular video game streams on YouTube every... Once in a while, you know, if I'm not doing anything one night after a regular Twitch stream and I got people playing games, maybe I'll hop on and do a YouTube stream because I just want to give it a shot. I want to see if, first of all, it helps um, the YouTube channel grow. Uh, that's one of the more big things I um, am intrigued by, you know. There's a reason I didn't want to be on Twitch anymore when I moved to Mixer. And I think all those reasons, along with some new ones, still apply. Um, so, that's interesting. Uh, so, here's something else that's quite interesting. I like this idea. Hey, thanks, man. I feel like I may have had conversations in the background with you about this situation. Just a little bit like the casually streaming games on my YouTube channel. But I think moving the podcast, it's going to make it easier for me a lot less time trying to edit and upload videos, which will be nice. Allow me to work on actual YouTube videos a little more and other shit behind the scenes. Um, I got a comment on one of my YouTube videos today, though. I'm, I'm just jumping to the next thing. That's was interesting a team hey yo what's going oh god a team of some sort called team alias commented on my youtube video and was like hey come grind for us this team has 380 subscribers on youtube but they don't exist outside of youtube like trying to find them on Twitter, Instagram. Th Nothing with the same logo, the same name, the same everything exists, which is strange. Like, it's, we it's weird to me that as a team or as an organization or as a gaming whatever, as a content creator group even, that you wouldn't be active on any other social media. You're only throwing shit at the YouTube wall and hoping it sticks. Could it work? Maybe, but I don't see it working. The majority of my growth on Twitch has come from not Twitch. Like, a lot of my growth has come from me making friends with people on TikTok and us sharing our audiences with each other and that type of thing. So it's very strange to me that these guys are just taking a shot. And it, it seems to be working. I mean, they've uploaded all of six videos. And 
All of them have over 700 views. Three of them are over 1,000, which is interesting. But, like, how how do you grow? How do you exist in a realm where you aren't, like, I, I don't know what the best way to describe it is, but you're not trying to grow an entire brand. You're just kind of existing, you know? And yeah, so that's, that's interesting. Um, next little area of concern, not concern, but that, that I kind of want to talk about is I just saw this on Twitter. My buddy Sasquatch tweeted out, here's a question for all my streamers, Twitch, YouTube, whatever. Do you tell family, IRL friends, etc., that you're a streamer? He says, outside of my immediate family, no one knows I stream, but I've considered starting to tell people, what about you? I kind of want to read off some replies. Milked Knight said, nah, they can never know. Um, Childish Albino says, they know. I don't see why not, honestly. I even post on my personal Facebook for charity streams and such. Um, Turney Twista said, I've told family, but they have no idea what I'm talking about, so no, I don't bring it up anymore. Um, I'm not much of a streamer, but I think it's a case-by-case basis. Like, if you think they will support you, go for it. But if they're going to hate, I feel like they shouldn't know, but that's just my thought. Um, I've mentioned it in passing, but making it pretty clear that it's just a for-fun thing, and if I ever blew up or put time into it, then I'd get more serious about it. Uh, never asked anyone to come watch or anything, but a lot of people I know IRL game, so they've found me, but most haven't. Um, I didn't tell any family for the longest time. Then word got out in some conversations, and now some immediate family members know, but that's all. In a way, they support me, but for the most part, they just see it as sitting there playing games. And then the last comment is, family knows, but I don't ever push it on anyone to... Make sure to watch me here. I just don't talk about it. Only people I actively talk to about it is my wife and my two kids find it interesting. Beyond that, I don't need that type of judgment in my life. Um, But I don't know. For me, I don't see what the point of not telling people is. You know, I do this full time, so... When people ask you what you do for work, am I just supposed to lie? Like, it can be a very difficult conversation to have, so you have to kind of sit back and think about how do I express to somebody what I do without it sounding absolutely insane. Uh, You know, you have the choice. To not tell anyone in real life, but I don't see that as fun. You, Sure, are some people going to be dicks about it? Absolutely. But if you're in real life friends and people, if you don't tell them that you're working on this, there can be no support from them, and you'll feel like you're going at this alone. Sure, are there people who aren't going to support what you do? Maybe. But would those people have supported anything you do is the actual question. You know, from where I sit, I have lots of people who support what I do, but I also know some of them don't think it'll ever work, and that's fine. That's their opinion, and they're allowed to take that stance, whether it's right or wrong, and I mean, I don't know. I I think even, like, randomly in public when people I know like, don't even really know, but they're just, like, the lady I pick up Mexican food from every Thursday night, when she goes, because for the first three years she asked this, I'd just say, oh, well, nothing, but it was, you know, what do you, you know, do you have a job, what do you do, and it's like, ah, for longest time, I just didn't know how to answer that, but now it's just like, okay, I know that you're not a very techie person, right, So I would just say that, you know, I 
create content on the internet, which probably makes it sound like I'm a porn star, which I am perfectly okay with, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thought experiment. And I mean, if you're not a streamer, what are, what would be your thoughts? Would you be telling everyone you met that you, uh, are a streamer or would you just kind of ignore it, glaze over it and move on to the next thing, you know? It's it's interesting. But let's jump in to some football. Let me pull up all the different scores so I don't forget to talk about a game. Um so we had first let's let's go over the Cowboys Buccaneers game last Thursday. I'd promote the shit out of myself. See, that's something I don't do is I never, like, my family and immediate friends know my channel and stuff, but I do my best. I live in a very small town, so I do my best not to let people know what my channel is because there are also a lot of people in this small town who fucking hate me and I don't want to deal with that. But, you know, if I lived in Austin, Texas, sure. Promote the shit out of myself. Um, but, yeah, so the first game of last week that we had was the Cowboys-Buccaneers game. And I got to say, I don't think we could have picked a better opener. Dak Prescott coming back from his injury. Super Bowl champs in the pa uh, the Patriots, the Buccaneers. Every time I think of Brady, I think Patriots still. Um you know, Dak looked fairly good. His arm still didn't look to be 100% right. But I was more worried about how he would treat the ankle, how he'd worry about his lower body. And he seemed very confident in the ankle, which is good, which is great. You know, the arm will hopefully get better as the season goes along. If they're going to keep having him throw it 60 times, the arm probably won't get better. It'll get worse, but whatever. Maybe run the ball more than... 20 times instead of, you know, running it 17 times. That's it's not really a design for success. Amari Cooper and CD Lamb both looked great. The Cowboys defense looked way better than it did last year, and it looked way better than you would think. You know, multiple turnovers forced, kind of. I mean, I'm not going to... Neither of the interceptions that Brady threw were bad. Um, I'm sorry, I'm never going to discredit a guy for throwing a Hail Mary that ends in a... They called 28 runs, but Dak kept checking to pass. Oh, sure. Excuses, excuses. Um, but, like, a Hail Mary to the end zone interception doesn't bother me because... You know, in situations like that, you either throw the pass or you just kneel it out. And if you just kneel it out, you can tell which quarterback's worried about their stats. Brady tried to make a play. And then the other one hit off Leonard Fournette's hands. Can't really blame Brady there. But the Cowboys looked way better than I expected them to. And so we'll see. Oh, all right interesting but we'll see how the Cowboys actually fare they have another pretty difficult game coming up next week against the Chargers and then the Bucks did what we thought the Bucks would do even though I kind of thought it would be more of a blowout I didn't expect Dak to look as good as he did uh, then we got the Seahawks Colts game Seahawks winning 28 to 16 um Russell Wilson did what Russell Wilson does every year. For the first eight weeks of this season, he's going to be the best quarterback in the NFL, and it's not going to be close. We'll see how he finishes the last nine games. But yeah, 18 of 23 for 254 yards, four touchdowns. Chris Carson averaged six yards a carry against 
a really good Colts defense. Tyler Lockett proving once again that he's better than DK Metcalf, and I will continue to shout that from rooftops. Um, and then Seattle's defense looked really good. Carson Wentz, I don't think he looked bad. I think not having a full offseason because of the injury is tough. The Colts offensive line doesn't look as good right now as it did last year. But I think as Carson gets more used to the offense, gets more um, chemistry built up with his receivers, I think this team, I still think the Colts win the AFC South. Um, and I'm going to stick by that pick for for a good long while. For a good long while. Then we got a game that was very surprising to me with the way the score played out. And that was the Texans beating the Jaguars 37-21. to I didn't see a lot of this game. Um, but Tyrod Taylor doing Tyrod Taylor things, remaining the most underrated quarterback in the NFL... The man's had the worst luck possible. Ends up on the Texans and then goes out and is just like, no, no, I'm still really good. Fear me. Um, you know, Mark Ingram is the new number one back in Houston, I guess, which is interesting because they also have David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. But, you know, Brandon Cooks proving that he's still really good. Danny Amendola caught a touchdown. But I'm... Trevor Lawrence did not play super poorly, and I don't want that narrative spun. But he didn't play super great either. I think my biggest worry is he doesn't have a lot of weapons, so his completions to attempts are going to be low. His completion percentage will be low. But the 330 yards and three TDs looks really good, but the three interceptions, as much as I want to say it's not a big deal, you're playing one of the three worst defenses in the NFL. It's kind of a big deal. You know, Trevor is definitely going to have to improve. Um, I don't know what was up with James Robinson and why he only got five carries. He still averaged five yards a carry, but why are we only giving it to him five times? He's your bell cow back. Make him that. Um, but, And then the Texans' defense is really going to have to step up because or not the Texans the Jaguars defense is really going to have to step up you can't allow 37 points to the Texans because that means you'll allow 100 points to any actual good team uh, then we have another game that really surprised me just the way it unfolded was the Eagles beating the Falcons 32-6 to um, I thought the Falcons would win this game but I, I kind of you know, there was, there was a chance that the Eagles would win. I didn't see a blowout. Did not see that as what would happen. Jalen Hurts looked fucking amazing. Which I'm a fan of. I'm big Sooners guy, so Jalen Hurts, keep doing you. But the Eagles' offense looked really good. Devonta Smith um, looked better than I expected him to. I figured... He'd be a little worse for wear, but six catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. I think you'll take that out of any rookie receiver in their debut. And then the Eagles defense looked incredibly good. It looked very good. Now, how much of that is that they were facing the Falcons? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Some of it, probably. But I'm shocked Matt Ryan didn't play well. He threw 35 times, but only had 164 yards. Um, Mike Davis didn't look great running the ball. Cordero Patterson looked fine running the ball. But I think that I think the Falcons are in trouble. They're going to be bad this year. And I think it's probably going to cause the end of Matt Ryan's career. I don't know if he gets another shot on another team if they're bad this year. Uh, then we got the Chargers beating the football team 20-16. to I picked the football team to win this game, but I didn't expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to get hurt. Justin Herbert played fine. He wasn't spectacular. The Chargers running game wasn't great. Keenan Allen looked really good, which is good. 
and so did Mike Williams, which if those two are both playing good all year, GG's, really. Um, Derwin James being healthy is a big step, but the Chargers, I think, mostly didn't play that great. They just lucked out that Fitzpatrick got hurt. But Taylor Heineke came in, went 11 of 15 for 122 yards and a touchdown. If I'm anyone else in the NFL, I'd be a little worried about the football team. Because Heineke's going to come in, and I really like Heineke. He could come in, take this starting job, and just be great. And that'd be tough for everyone else in the NFC least, for sure. Um... Then we got the Steelers beating the Bills. This one was another big surprise to me. Big Ben looks awful. He's washed. He's 100% washed. He's got less arm strength right now than me throwing with my left arm, flat-footed, sitting down. Uh, (laughs) Like, his arm looks bad. Najee Harris had 16 carries for 45 yards. That's 2.8 yards a carry. That's bad. Now, I've been saying that the Steelers' offensive line is going to be bad based off of what we saw, right? They lost, I think, three starters on that offensive line. So, of course, it's probably going to get worse because what did they do to replace them? Nothing. Um, Deontay Johnson had a good catch. The Steelers' defense still looks like the Steelers' defense we remember from last year. But Josh Allen, man, he was not the Josh Allen everybody thought we were getting this year. Um, My buddy Jake Talk Sports said, and he has been on this train for a while, that it was going to be a regression year for Josh Allen. I didn't want to believe it, Um, and I'm not the biggest Josh Allen fan, but the trajectory he'd taken of steady improvement over the first three years of his career, I was inclined to believe in the patterns we had seen of that steady improvement, and it just kind of didn't happen. Um, Cole Beasley went out there and proved why he shouldn't have a job in the NFL. Um, I think just in the clips I saw, I watched him have four drops and another two plays where he ran the wrong route. So, you know. Maybe don't be so vocal about not wanting the vaccine because I'm pretty sure I could do your job better than you, Cole. So that's tough. The Bills' defense didn't look amazing either. But do not fall into the trap of this meaning Pittsburgh is good because they aren't. Then we got the 49ers at the Lions. Jimmy Garoppolo played fairly well. Trey Lance is now 100%. Every throw he has ever made in the NFL, it was for a touchdown, so that's cool. Um, Eli Mitchell, some running back for the 49ers, had 104 yards rushing and a touchdown, so that's interesting. Uh, Debo Samuel looked awesome, but Brandon Ayuk just didn't show up, apparently. So that's interesting. The 49ers defense looked fairly good until the second half when Jared Goff just decided, oh, yeah, I'm going to pull a Matt Stafford. I'm going to look great. Um, DeAndre Swift didn't look great, but Jamal Williams did. TJ Hawkinson had a couple of drops, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. He's rocking a new quarterback. That's always different. Now, the game that bothered me the most was the Vikings-Bengals game, the Bengals winning 27-24. to Kirk Cousins, his stats are going to tell you he played well. 36-49, of 49, 351 yards, two touchdowns. No picks. But against the Bengals' defense and in... So many plays where you have a receiver open downfield, taking two-yard checkdowns isn't going to be the move if we want this team to be good. You can't throw 50 times an average, you know. 
all of your big plays come from slant routes that Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen turn into big plays, that's not a sustainable offense. And, you know, Dalvin Cook only rushing for three yards a clip today, or, well, Sunday, won't be good enough if if Kirk's not going to be able to throw the ball down the field to win games. We're going to have to have Dalvin Cook be the bell cow, and if he's averaging three yards a carry, he can't be the bell cow. Adam Thielen came in, kind of shut everybody up, which I appreciate. There's a weird narrative being pushed that Adam Thielen wasn't good anymore because he didn't have a 1,000 yards receiving last year. He had 972 yards receiving on like 98 catches, if I remember right, and 14 touchdowns. That's not a good year, apparently. Um, And then for some reason, everybody's mad that Justin Jefferson only had five catches for 71 yards this week. But he is now being treated like our number one wide receiver. So I expect more from Thielen, from K.J. Osborne, from Tyler Conklin, from D.D. Westbrook. Expect more from those guys than what you're going to get from Justin Jefferson. The defense played okay. Um, We need corners still, and I don't know how we go about it. I mean, we had five, five or six sacks on Joe Burrow, but his receivers were just open all the time. Like Chris Boyd, Mackenzie Alexander, Harrison Hand. We didn't even... Patrick Peterson pretending to be the number one corner all of a sudden. Cam Dantzler not being good enough to get on the fucking field isn't good enough. When we brought in Patrick Peterson, the whole goal was for him to be the number two or number three corner because Cam Dantzler was going to take that step from last year being, oh, he was a very solid rookie to being, oh, he's just a good corner. And he tried to take a step and fell so flat on his fucking face. Now he's not even playing in the games, bro. I don't know what to do about that. I don't know how you fix that. Um, But if we move over to the Bengals, Joe Burrow played phenomenal against what is, aside from the secondary, still a very solid unit on defense for the Vikings. Joe Mixon had 30 carries for 130. 27 yards and a touchdown. Jamar Chase had five catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. And no drops, which I think was important for him. All training camp, all preseason, he struggled with drops. He struggled with seeing the football. And I think him having this first game where he didn't drop a pass fixes that mindset. Because, you know, as guys like Shannon Sharp were saying, It was basically the football equivalent of the yips in basketball, where it's all a mental thing, but, you know, mentally you're overthinking basically everything you're trying to do, and it causes some issues. And so hopefully that's all it was, was a variation of the yips, but and hopefully he's past it now. And then the Bengals' defense also played very well. Um, If I'm a Bengals fan, I'd be pretty excited by what I saw. Even though I still don't believe the Bengals are going to be a great team this year, I'd be excited just about what the future holds with Burrow, Chase, and Mixon. I think that's a big three that will be very good for years to come. The Jets-Panthers game, I didn't watch a ton of. But I do know in the first half, Zach Wilson looked horrible. In the second half, he looked pretty good. So I think it averages out. He had a pretty average day. Um, It was fine. Nothing special. The Jets' running game still sucks. Uh, Not a single running back on their team I trust. Corey Davis looks, again, this is after one week. But after one week, Corey Davis looks like maybe the best free agent signing it of the year you know the Jets haven't had a target like him and they do now Um, 
Sam Darnold played fairly well. He had a couple mistakes, though, that you don't love. Christian McCaffrey proving that if the Panthers had Christian McCaffrey healthy last year, Teddy Bridgewater would still be their quarterback, but hey, whatever. Um, that game went about how I expected it to go, though, so not a lot to talk about there. Uh, then we got the Cardinals beating the Titans 38-13. to Cardinals are one of my... So I have my actual Super Bowl picks, and then I have my Dark Horse picks. My Dark Horse Super Bowl is the Broncos versus the Cardinals, um, and... It's because Kyler Murray, I have been saying all offseason, is going to be an MVP candidate this year. He had five total touchdowns. He did throw a pick, um, but whatever. 289 yards, two touchdowns to DeAndre Hopkins, two to Christian Kirk. The running game looked okay, mostly behind Chase Edmonds. James Conner didn't look amazing, but I didn't expect him to, and you probably shouldn't shouldn't have either. But I think the biggest thing for the Cardinals is Chandler Jones. Five sacks. That's huge. But to me, that's a larger sign, right, of the fact that bringing in J.J. Watt was huge for this team. Not because J.J. is going to put up incredible stats. He'll probably have, you know, 12, uh, 12 to 14 sacks maybe if he plays all year but that's not the point because he's getting paid way more than a 12 13 sack guy but what he's gonna do is he's gonna draw double teams away from Chandler Jones because JJ no matter what you can't leave him in a one-on-one situation there aren't any tackles or guards who are gonna single-handedly slow him down And he's just disruptive. So what that's going to do is leave Chandler Jones with more one-on-one situations with, you know, a tackle. Or in some cases on Sunday, a tight end. Where Chandler Jones is just going to beat him off the line, get to the quarterback, end your days over real quick. But I think the other part of the J.J. Watt signing that nobody's talking about is the impact he's going to have in the running game, which it showed by the fact that the Cardinals allowed Derrick Henry 17 carries for 58 yards, 3.4 yards a carry for a man who had 2,000 yards rushing last season. That's that's the impact adding a J.J. Watt can have. Is he going to have the stats that he would have, you know, if they added him six, seven years ago? No. But that's not the point, and it doesn't need to be. Um, Julio Jones and AJ Brown didn't look great, which I've been saying it all year. The Titans are going to be like the Vikings of last year, overhyped by the media, but they're not going to have a defense that can stop anybody to allow them to win a game. Uh, moving on to what I consider my game of the week, the Browns at the Chiefs, Chiefs winning 33 to 29. Baker looked incredible. I don't really want to hear any more of this narrative that it was a Baker mistake that ended that game because it wasn't. Yes, it's an interception. Yes, that goes on Baker Mayfield's stat line. But if you watched the Browns-Chiefs game and you watched that play, if you go back and watch it right now on YouTube or on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok, wherever you want to watch it, you can see there is a receiver in the area of where Baker's throwing it, but you can tell he's trying because you watch him run out of the pocket, which he didn't need to do, but he's trying to throw it away, throw it out of bounds or just put it in a spot where it's going out of bounds unless the receiver does something incredible and live to play another play. Don't take the sack because as a quarterback, you're always told don't take the sack, throw the ball away. That's what Baker was trying to do. He got hit in the legs as he was trying to throw it out of bounds. Couldn't get the mustard on it. He needed it. got picked. Whatever. Big deal. Baker had played incredible before that, and everybody's discounting the entire game because of a play that wasn't even his fault. 
because they don't understand how football works, but whatever. It's tough. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt played very well. David Njoku, shockingly, had a good number of targets, good number of catches, and led the team in receiving yards. Um, I think the team will improve as we get um, OBJ back. And then for playing the Chiefs, the defense looked very good, which is going to be important. This this defense is going to have to put in the work. And, you know, the fact that the Chiefs played with if I read you the stat line of their three main guys, Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, you'd tell me they won this game by 40 points. And they won by four and were trailing until there were 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Browns are a scary team, and the Chiefs should be worried that the AFC is not going to be super easy to win this year. But Patrick Mahomes still looked like Patrick Mahomes. Hill and Kelsey looked like Hill and Kelsey. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is still proving to me that he's not a good running back. If I'm the Chiefs, maybe you call up Adrian Peterson and say, you know, we're not going to use you a lot, but in situations where we need yards, it's you. And I think that would be good for both uh, Peterson and the Chiefs. Chris Jones had two sacks, but... He's the only chief who could really get any pressure. I don't know. I This year of football, I can already tell, is going to be one of those very strange years. And that that's cool, but it's also... It also kind of sucks, you know? I don't like not being able to know what's going to happen. Then we have the Dolphins beating the Patriots 17-16. to Tua looked like Tua, and that's a problem. He still looks like he has no arm strength. He's only comfortable throwing to his first read, and it's not great. Miles Gaskin, the running back, nine carries for 49 yards. That's 5.4 yards a clip. Why are we only running him nine times? Like, do you just want to throw the ball an insane amount and just not care, or what? Um, Jalen Waddle caught Tua's only passing touchdown of the game. He looked fine. Nothing special so far, but how much of that is because of Tua Tungavailoa being your quarterback? You know, that that's that could be making a huge difference. Mike Gasicki didn't have a single target this game, which is wild to me. You have a top 10 tight end and you're not throwing the ball at him. So, I don't know. Something the Dolphins need a quarterback. Um you know, I know the Texans are asking a lot in a trade, but I think if you if he can play and if he you know, once all the court stuff's done, if he can play, Deshaun Watson would make this a Super Bowl team. And so that's a little tough. On the Patriots side of things, Mac Jones, pure numbers-wise, looks like he had the best rookie debut. He's still the worst quarterback in that class. By a lot, he doesn't, he can't make NFL throws. And in a game, yeah, you're lucky. This was in Foxborough in September. What about Foxborough in December? When there's 30-mile-an-hour wind, it's snowing, it's below freezing, and you don't have the arm strength to not let the wind blow the ball away from your receivers. I don't think it's going to go well. Damian Harris looked great, 23 carries for 100 yards. Nelson Aguilar actually does add a weapon on this offense that they haven't had in a while. Um, but I'm not impressed with the Patriots. You know, if they're starting Cam Newton in that game, they beat the Dolphins by four touchdowns, probably. But instead, you start Mac Jones and you lose. That's pretty tough. Now we got the Broncos beating the Giants in New York 27-13. to Daniel Jones did Daniel Jones things, fumbled the ball. 
Didn't look great. Saquon Barkley averaged 2.6 yards a clip. That's not great. Sterling Shepard for the Giants, though, looked like a world beater for some reason. I don't know why. Kenny Galladay made a couple big plays, as you're going to need him to. The Giants' defense didn't look great. But my question is how much of that is due to the Broncos' offense just being really good. I'm saving the person on the Broncos I want to talk about the most until last. But um, Broncos' defense looked very good. Kyle Fuller, big addition. Justin Simmons is great. Von Miller had two sacks in this game, which if you're a Broncos fan, you'll love to see that. Jerry Judy, before the ankle injury, was playing great. He had six catches for 72 yards. Noah Fant had six catches for 62. K.J. Hamler had three for 41, but it should have been four for 100 and a touchdown, but he dropped it. Tim Patrick, four catches, 39 yards and a touchdown. Cortland Sutton, shockingly, only had one catch for 14 yards, but he's still working back from that injury, so I don't blame him too much. Melvin Gordon had 11 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. He was averaging 9.2 yards a carry. That's nuts. But the man, the myth, the legend, Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Two Gloves, that's my quarterback guy. Yeah, that that man, 28 of 36, 264, two touchdowns. Should have been three. K.J. Hamler dropped it. It hit him in the chest, too. That, that was a tough play to watch if you were me. Uh, but I've been talking about it. All offseason, you can ask anybody I've talked football with. I've said that the Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater are a playoff team that would scare some people. And, yeah, Teddy's not going to make the play that Drew Locke can. He doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't have the crazy, you know, little bit of Brett Favre in him. But I don't think you need that when, with Drew Locke, you're also getting two to three interceptions a game. Teddy may never make the plays like Drew Locke is capable of. But he's also never going to lose you a football game. He's not. He will never be the reason that you lost a game. It'll never be, oh, you know, we could have put in any random asshole off the street who could have played better than Teddy. No. He doesn't have the ceiling. He's got a kind of low ceiling, but a very high floor is basically the best way I can describe Teddy. And I'm so happy he's found success. I'm very sad it's in Denver because I fucking hate the Broncos. But now here we are. I have to root for them because Teddy Two Gloves is the quarterback and he's still my guy. He's the only Vikings player I currently have a jersey of and he hasn't played there in years. But that he's still my quarterback and I'm very sad but let's move away from the sadness to talk about one thing that made me very very happy as a Vikings fan the Saints beating the Packers 38 to 3 Aaron Rodgers got benched for Jordan Love after throwing two interceptions he threw five all last year yeah it wasn't good the Packers Aaron Jones only had five carries. They ran the ball a total of 15 times. That's not going to get it done. Um, Devontae Adams had five catches for 56 yards. The next most catches was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Three catches for 17. This offense and the defense just both didn't look like they wanted to try and didn't look like they wanted to be on the field. The Saints took advantage of the turnovers and the great field position they kept getting. Jameis Winston had 150 yards passing, five touchdowns, which is a little nuts. Alvin Kamara, 20 carries for 83 yards. Not impressive, really. Um, Jawan Johnson had three catches for 21 yards, two touchdowns. Chris Hogan caught a touchdown. Alvin Kamara caught a touchdown. Deontay Harris caught a touchdown. Marquez Callaway, who is a guy, at least in fantasy terms, I was very high on going into this season, had one catch for 14 yards, so I don't 
I don't know how to feel about this team. The Saints, to me, are still not a good football team. Um, but it doesn't matter when the other team doesn't want to be there, I guess. Next, we had the Rams and the Bears. The Rams smoked them 34-14. to Justin Fields threw two passes for 10 yards. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Um, David Montgomery looked good. He had 16 carries for 108 yards and a touchdown against the Rams defense, which is fairly impressive. Uh, Allen Robinson was mostly shut down by our good friend Jalen Ramsey, the goat of goats. Um, but I think the most important thing to talk about when it comes to this Rams game has nothing to do with the Bears at all, really, or even the Rams' defense. I think the most important thing is that Matthew Stafford looked like every bit the quarterback the Rams thought he was and paid for. The Rams paid a very, very high price tag for Matthew Stafford. And in his first appearance, wearing the horny helmet, haha, he had... 20 completions on 26 attempts, 321 yards, three touchdowns. His connection with Cooper Cup seemed great. It looked like they had been working a lot together in the offseason. The Rams are scary good right now. Just like I think a lot of us thought they would be. I was a big advocate for Matthew Stafford, but I know a lot of people really liked Matthew Stafford. I'm not going to claim that I was the first on this very small. No, bullshit. So many people thought Matthew Stafford was really good. Um, Then we got the Ravens-Raiders game. Raiders win 33-27 in overtime. They technically won, like, what, seven times? It was nuts. Lamar looked shaky. The running game for the Ravens struggled, but, I mean, Tyson Williams, who I've never heard of, started at running back. Latavius Murray was also there, but they're not ready yet. Maybe in a couple weeks when Le'Veon Bell gets activated, that'll help. Um, I think, for me, the two big storylines for the Ravens are there, well, there are three. Their offensive line isn't great anymore. Losing Orlando Brown was bigger than we all thought. Um, number two, Sammy Watkins was a great addition to this team. He only had four catches, but for 96 yards, he's the best receiver Lamar has ever played with, so that's good. And three, Hollywood Brown finally looks like an NFL receiver. He had six targets, and he had six catches. They went for 69 yards and a touchdown, If Hollywood Brown, he doesn't have to be a world beater. He doesn't have to be Tyreek Hill. He just has to be decent. Don't drop the ball five times a game. You know, maybe catch the passes that hit you in the face. And then make plays after the catch, which is what you're best at anyways. But when talking about the Raiders, for some reason, everybody's talking it up like Derek Carr played really well. But I remember every time I looked up at the screen, he was missing a throw. So, I want to say that the Raiders looked very good while not being at 100%. Like, they weren't clicking at 100%. There were some hitches in their giddy-up, you know what I'm saying? And that should scare people that the Raiders were good enough to compete with the Ravens while not being great. Josh Jacobs had 34 yards. He had two touchdowns, but he had 34 yards. Darren Waller only had 10 catches. He was targeted 20 times, but only 10 catches. So I think there's a lot that is probably going to change from the way this week went. I don't expect the Ravens to look as bad as they did. I don't expect the Vikings to look as bad as they did. The Bills hopefully don't look as bad as they did, but them I question. Um, 
The Broncos and Rams looked better than I expected. The Packers won't be this bad all year. But it feels so good to have football back and football to talk about that isn't just us predicting, right? Not just us saying, Matthew Stafford will probably be great on the Rams. No, it's Matthew Stafford was great on the Rams. How do we see this go forward? Will it be 20 of 26 for 303 TDs every week? Probably not. Could be, but probably not. But, yeah, that is the football conversation for this week, I believe. Um, trying real quick to check if there's anything going on on the interwebs to talk about before I end this off. Nick Wright, you know Nick Wright, Fox Sports 1 guy, um, said there are a handful of Kyrie trades that potentially make sense for the Nets. Kyrie's agents have made it known that Kyrie would simply retire from the NBA if Brooklyn were to trade him. There's no shot the Nets are actually open to trading Kyrie, right? That can't be real. That's got to be people making some shit up, right? Apparently, there was a time today where Xbox Live was down. Interesting. Oh, ooh. And one bit of big gaming news. Battlefield 2042 has been delayed by a month and now will be released on November 19th. Shocker. Shitty game's not going to be ready to launch on a shitty launch day. Tough. Tough. All right. I think that's going to do it for me for this week. Um, I will see you guys next week for the last live Scuffed Ass podcast on Twitch. It'll still be live. It, just after next week, it'll be on YouTube. So come by next week for our goodbye Twitch uh, stream. Battlefield is greater than COD. Since when? But All right. That's going to do it for me. I don't want to start this Battlefield versus COD argument, especially between me getting to talk and you getting to only type. So... That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for watching. I'll catch you in the next one. Peace.